And this is Hysterionics, the home of honest but not necessarily politically correct conversations about the challenges of trying to create non-toxic work cultures and finding some people to lead them. Listen along, laugh along, frankly tell us we're talking rubbish. We are here to shake things up a bit. In this episode, Neil and a special guest try to persuade Tom that corporate values aren't just a photo opportunity for the chief executive and a reason for management consultants to send an invoice. There are a couple of naughty words which rhyme with faff and spanky. And welcome to the second episode of Hysterionics. I'm Tom Crawford in a forest in France. And I'm Neil Griffiths and I'm near a forest, the Ashdown Forest in England. That's very nice. So Neil, how's your week been? My week has been um, certainly not collecting air miles, Tom, as you'd imagine, given we're in lockdown. Um, <laughs> but I have found myself reading and listening to, to more podcasts. Um, so it's been, it's been good. Cool. How are you? Uh, equally good. I have uh, been speaking to lots of people and the reaction from episode one of Hysterionics. So that has felt very positive uh, and good. very constructive. Um, there was the one gentleman who felt that it was a cauldron of communism, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to choose to ignore that. But lots of debates, <laughs> lots of feedback, um, uh, lots of ideas around future episodes and future guests, which is absolutely great. Uh, some people said to me, are you worried about upsetting people? To which I responded, absolutely no. I think the spirit of it is that actually we need to, I need to challenge people as much as I'm willing to challenge myself so it comes from a good heart and a good place of insight i think now's the time to challenge you know the crikey did you see hertz went bankrupt this week um mm. what an iconic brand and there's lots of organizations out there for whom coronavirus has been the icing on a cake of needing to reinvent themselves much much sooner and i think that goes to us as well so i will challenge and you know in the same way that the stable lads were probably upset at the advent of the car and horses and carriages were no longer used i think we should all use this time to allow coronavirus to be a pain in the bum but a kick up the bum uh, as well and I've had some interesting conversations this week with clients and uh, contacts around leaders. And there are a lot of leaders who are feeling very exposed at the moment and in need of coaching because like many brands that have gone bust finally in coronavirus, there's a lot of leaders who should have got their leadership shit together much sooner. And the gaps in that are being really explo exposed, exposed uh, and maybe exploded by coronavirus, the needing to build trust openness and uh humanness inside their teams so not surprising right i mean I think if you think about um leaders have not been given a, the 101 book how to lead during a pandemic because nobody's had to really experience the depths that we've had to go during these times so it's not surprising that leaders are feeling fragile uh, and in need of some coaching as well yeah, and I get bored of all those uh, those sort of leadership models. So, you know, people say, well, what model do you use? Or, or what book have you read recently on leadership? And can you imagine being a leader? You know, every now and then somebody pulls out a new book on saying you should do it this way or that way. And actually, we should just stick to core leadership behaviors, openness, honesty, humility, courage, etc., etc. So I'm not surprise some leaders are feeling a bit battered at this moment in time mm. and you're touching on values there as well aren't you 
you know, some organizational values as well as leadership, but personal values. Yeah, I think so. I think now is the time for leaders to not be scared about showing their values and talking about the journey that they've been on as a person, as an individual uh, during the coronavirus and everything that's challenged them on at home and at work. I think people follow human beings. They follow people that have a level of um, personality to them. Mm, I was reading an article just touching on that from, uh, I think it was McKinsey this week, around compassion and the need to show compassion. But, you know, as you say, not everybody's born with the ability to show compassion to different generations who are working in a very different way during these times. So, you know, I think there are some who can manage that very easily because it comes easy to their nature. But there's others who need guidance and coaching and mentoring to do just that. Yeah. And I think that I'm seeing a lot of organizations uh, as they plan to come out of this and plan for the future, putting a lot more budget into leadership development for that reason. But you wanted to talk about values and you touched on values. And I think we can join all of this together. You know, I'm a cynic about this. Tell me why you wanted to talk about values, specifically corporate values. Corporate values, I, this, I've been, as I just mentioned earlier, I've been reading and listening a lot, particularly, you know, this focus on brands and how they behave during these times and yeah. actually how they behave now will dictate what comes next and how their business strategy will succeed or not. So, you know, when you think about business being so powerful, and it really, they really are powerful, right? They make people feel a whole heap of emotions. Yep. So my they're doing their job right. It, Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so my question to any organization has been, how are you making people feel? The question of how do you want people, what do you want people to say about your organization that you're a part of? How do you want people to view you? And by people, I mean consumers and employees once we come through the other side of this. And, you know, if you believe that values drive behavior and and that's a form, you know, by driving behavior, that's the culture of an organization. I think there are some real pivotal kind of moments here where people will need to start bench testing their values um, and thinking, who are we today as an organization versus who we were before? Do you know what I mean by that? No, I totally do. And Clancy and I are going to talk in the next episode about culture specifically. But for me, uh, what, what you're saying is something you and I grew up with when we worked uh, in Omnicom, which is great brands are built inside out through people. Mm. And I think today is the day where the marketing lead or the externally facing brand lead and the internally facing brand lead, let's crudely describe it as the head of HR, sit together and work out a collective and joined up strategy for moving the organizational brand forward. And, you know, you and I, there are brands we love and there are brands we hate. It was interesting seeing Hertz. Um, I'm so sorry for all the people at Hertz. Let's hope they can get that one pull together you know i love enterprise rent a car because every time wherever i go wherever in the world be it australia or the boonies of tennessee or scotland i get a consistent consumer experience and so they build the brand really through their people and so for me i have a question moving forward about actually should the marketing function own culture if culture drives employee behaviors with the consumer and therefore business performance surely the marketing function have a huge hand in organizational culture and and what it is but too often and i don't know about you i still see in organizations the hr and the marketing leads at the very top 
operating as if they work in two separate organizations. And the way that they build the employee experience is not necessarily designed to deliver the consumer experience. And I, I agree. you know, I agree you, completely. But, you, I, but I think there's that, there's that still that gray zone, Tom, between marketing and HR, right? Where who owns communications internally, who owns communications <laughs> externally, right? We've been there before. If I had a, a penny for every time I've had that conversation by involving marketing leads or HR leads into a stakeholder group to kick off a conversation about brands from a people perspective, I'd be a very rich man, right? Yeah. And I, I you know, and there's lots of people, I think you ask 50 different people and you'll get 25 saying one or the other. I think that internal comms sits within HR. Why do I think that? Because I think people are more likely to believe what their leader tells them, how their leader engages them, how their leader um, makes them feel, back to your point about feel, rather than what the uh, internet tells them. The internet is too often viewed as corporate pravda. Uh, therefore, if leaders are the, the best communicators, the best uh, engagers of the psychological contract, then internal comms should sit with HR and leadership behaviors. But let's get back to organizational values. Um, so you wanted to talk about this because you see organizational values being bench tested to the max at this moment in time. I do. And I was reading a really good report by Edelman on brand trust and, and COVID. It was a special report. And they, they mentioned there's four key areas that companies need to show if they're going to succeed, right? Yep. So one is about showing up and do your part. So use your resources and creativity in, in, a, in an agile, maybe in a pivot way at the moment. Yep. Collaborate and don't act alone. So work with governments on certain initiatives to, to really you know, help succeed and, and achieve a goal. Solve, don't sell. So you know, solve the issue ahead of us. Um, don't start selling cars for 0% APR because right now nobody cares. And then communicate with emotion, passion, and facts. And I think that's a kind of interesting one because that isn't easy for some, right? You've worked with leaders before that being able to communicate with emotion and passion they've, has come hard to them. Uh, there are leaders that you shouldn't let out of the office um, <laughs> because the minute they open their mouth, it's, it's a catastrophe. And I remember working with one organization where uh, in the good times, the, the, the head of marketing uh, turned up at the contact centers and you know they did all the let's dress as a clown let's have fun throw mars bars out at the town hall meeting everybody loved it everybody loved it the the company went into decline and the head of marketing still went out there dressed as a clown throwing out mars bars mars bars mars bars and the people like the phone isn't ringing our colleagues are being made redundant can you be serious for a minute and so I think there are leaders that uh, either have one style of communication, the style of communication isn't adaptive. We've met those leaders who are brilliant at projecting communication, but the minute there's Q&A backwards, it all goes pear-shaped. Mm. And there are those who are great commercially, but are never great at involving people. So I think that there has to be an honest, honest conversation inside organizations around who does the communication and, and, and how do they how do they do it? Uh, and it may, I, I be, it may be the finance director. It may be the finance director that is the right person to engage people at this moment in time. Sorry, Neil. Well, style. Style, I think you're right, because style is a big thing. And at the moment, leadership styles are being really pushed. When you think about Generation Z, for example, uh, I was reading a report by Erica, which said that 60% prefer to be in the office because they want collaboration and they want to be with teams working together around the water cooler. 
and then 70% saying that remote working is making them less productive. Well, yep. if you're in a flat or um, you know, you're sharing with three other people in the middle of the city and you're on a Zoom call in the hallway, then that isn't easy for you. So for a leader to be able to adapt their style and actually deliver a message with passion and compassion and, and bring people along and coach and mentor, it's important. But as you say, I think that, that, that's tough for some people. It is. And I think some people as leaders need to take stock of, well, what are my own values? <laughs> because yes. too many leaders hide behind the yes, role, yes, dis- yes. role description. I am a head of department. I am a COO. I am a VP. This is how a VP or a COO or head of department operates. And they haven't brought themselves to that role. And they have, they have used that role description as uh, as a scaffolding basically and now it's been stripped away because the the symbols of that role and position around uh, office and presence and certain type of conversation are stripped away not only do they have to help the organization fulfill its values they have to think about well, what are my own personal values and how do i bring them to the fore and i think that is an absolute mind conundrum for so many of them do you see how i chose my words very carefully a mind conundrum and not a mind something else i thought you're very diplomatic but let me just pick up on a point you just mentioned because i think a company's values right now being really tested you know how do you go about reassessing your values should you go about reassessing your values you know once people go back to the normal whatever that is there was a real kind of period where the value words that were put down on a piece of paper by a leadership team, you know, didn't always reflect the culture of an organization or the authenticity. They rarely the reflected the culture of right? the organization. So, so here's an example, and, uh, you know, get your response on this, but, you know, if somebody put respect in there as a value, were they really given respect? You know, are they really giving people three hours off in the middle of the day to look after the kids or do what's important to them during this time? Or, if innovation is one of their values, you know, what are they actually doing to show that they're innovative, given the list I just read out about those companies that will succeed? You know, somebody like a Dyson, for example, who pivoted using their resources and creativity to pull together a ventilator is a prime example of a company being innovative. Now, whether that comes to fruition, whether that comes alive, and I know there's some challenges from a from a going back to work with Dyson right now, but equally they showed that was one of their values. They did. But what I would want to do, so if I was going into Dyson to sort of forensically audit its culture, I would want to know what drove those people to work like that. Was it, was it a sense of belief and purpose in the organization that was created in the good times? Or was it a sense of patriotic, noble duty? So that, that's, that's what I would say. And the, the innovation value and the respect value, if I had a pound for every time somebody had decided on a mouse mat or a coffee mug, that their values were respect, innovation, um, collaboration, integrity, integrity, blah, 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 blah. Um, It's all bollocks because organizations go on these big, let's, let's define our values, which is kind of what you're suggesting that they might want to do now. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, but they just need to do it in a different way. Often when they go on a values defining odyssey, Uh, or navel gazing exercise it's largely because they're trying to fix a problem they're trying to fix a problem around organizational behaviors bad behaviors lack of cohesion lack of collaboration all the words that they ultimately ultimately come up with and that is not necessarily the right way to fix that problem 
and it doesn't necessarily make the problem go away. So if you are going to go on a values redefining exercise or revisiting exercise, make sure that problem you're trying to fix can be fixed with values. And the only way it can be fixed by values is if you use those as the firing gun to put in some really serious, heavy duty groundwork around making them real and making them live. And most organizations fire the gun, but they never run the race. I mean, I can remember one organization I went to and a while ago, and they said, we've just decided uh, that innovation is one of our values. So we'd like your help in making everybody innovative because it needs to happen now because we've put it on the posters and customers (laughs) can see it in reception. So this organization said, we are all going to be innovative. I said, great, show me your dress code policy. And I knew that they had one. And they said, well, why on earth do you want to see that? And they showed it to me. And it was about 30 pages long. And the reason it was 30 pages long was because whenever somebody had had, they'd never set out the expectation of dress code. So they'd never had an adult-adult conversation. Whenever somebody had contravened the invisible dress code, the non-communicated dress code, trousers too tight, short uh, skirt too short, whatever, whatever, Uh, flip-flops they had added an addendum to the invisible dress code policy and passively aggressively dropped it on their desk so the underlying cultural anchors of an innovation culture openness dialogue constructive feedback uh, willingness to fail lack of blame were totally missing and instead of having a dress code policy which said wear what's appropriate they had 30 pages of it because they didn't have the right culture to be innovative and they they didn't want they didn't want to go on that journey so they fired the gun but didn't want to run the race i was reading another article which talks about values and when they were first launched i think kind of really in corporate america and through the jim collins book um built to last and they talked about the ceo he stood up on stage, put together this fantastic video of smiling athletes and, and people passing batons, et cetera, and saying, you know, these are our values now. This is what we need to live by. And the film was really well shot, said to the crowd and the people conference, would you like to see the film again? And they all stood up and said, no, no, it's awful. It's not us. So the, the authenticity of what you're standing by is all important. So my question to you is, should we actually get rid of values and replace it with today a purpose mission statement or a manifesto Ooh, i love the term manifesto so i think so it's a really good question i think values need to exist in an ecosystem yeah. you know values are a top level descriptor of what you can expect from us in terms of behavior the behaviors then need to sit under the values the values is there to deliver against the purpose why do we exist as an organization why should we all get out of bed what difference do we make to society or the customer and it's not about ebitda or uh, profit margin because those things come out if you fulfill uh, a, a strong and compelling purpose you know the behaviors need to be really descriptive and then the culture piece sits around do we hold each other accountable for behaviors do we Uh, coach each other on behaviors? Do we have the culture where somebody can say, I don't think you were behaving in a line with what we we should be doing and what we uh, espouse to do? Yes, if you want to redefine your values, but tell me, tell me what tangibly, what you're going to do to make them real and make them live and put some resource against it. That resource will pay you back. If you had a senior vice president of values, you would reduce and made that person work, you would reduce 
customer service instance or enhanced customer service instance. Uh, and there is a cost benefit to that. But your point about CEOs standing at the front of the room, I think CEOs at the minute are a bit like prime ministers or royal family members on the scene of a transport, a national transport disaster. Everybody is watching their every word. Yeah. Yeah. Watching their every word. And uh, they, above all, need to not use their internal comms people as broadcast mechanisms, but use them clearly as coaches and sounding boards. And they need to be willing to listen to them uh, and, take the, uh, and take their feedback. I do, largely think values, uh, they're not pointless. That would be wrong to say they're pointless. Um, they are the firing gun. Make sure you run the race. Uh, and you're absolutely right. It, you start with organizational purpose. And so many organizations forget that. You know, you ask them what their purpose is, and they're so busy delivering their EBITDA and their return to shareholder, they've forgotten that almost spiritual aspect of why do we exist in the first place? If we disappeared overnight tomorrow, would people miss us and what we, we provide society? Couldn't agree more. If they are looking at why are we here, is a great question today, given what we're going through. Why are we here? What are we doing? Are we all behind this? How do we get behind it? And by the way, how do you keep people engaged during this time to make sure that they're very clear on the purpose, the meaning, and they can do what they can to support it? And I think some people have forgotten that. And this is a brilliant point, Neil. How can I bring my personal purpose to work in collaboration with your organizational purpose because my final thought before we go to our guest on organizational values is that too often they can create a cult you know is person x one of us oh, they're not really and in this world of inclusion where we innovation thrives on extremely different people i think organizational values have uh, in some instances even being used to create a bit of an organizational cult and a them versus us and people, the organization has had tissue rejection from people who are different coming into the organization. I think we should go to uh, our guest. I think that cynicism is gone. So I am now joined by Kate Jones. Kate, tell us who you are, please. I'm Kate Jones. I'm head of communications and corporate affairs for Tarmac, um, based in the UK, and I look after employee communications, uh, media relations, press relations, and community engagement uh, within the team that I head up. That's awesome. And I know that you are, in addition to that, chair of the Instant Institute of Internal Communicators. Yes, that's right. Um, I've been involved with the IOIC for, wow, decades now. Um, <laughs> that's brilliant. Now, I imagine that we think we all know a bit about tarmac because uh, you would you, think you it, think it's the black stuff on the roads. We do, yes. So because we're going to talk about the organisation's values and your journey with that, give us the context. Of course. Well, it is the black stuff on the roads, of course. But whether you drive or whether you fly or whether you take the train, we are the people that keep you moving. So, of course, we do roads, but we also build schools. We build hospitals. We, we kind of keep the, the fabric of society running and um, the, the roads is what we're most known for. But I think, as you say, behind the scenes, we have 8000 people all around the UK doing all sorts of different roles um, in the whole um, critical sector of infrastructure. So that's great. So the, for me, there's a there's a hidden aspect to tarmac, and uh, when we come on to talk about the values, it'll be interesting to see what what drove you to revisit them. Um, 
you had Neil and I talking in the in the first half of this podcast. Any reaction to what we said? Yeah, you um you quite shamefully dissed one of our uh, our existing values. Um, so you dissed collaboration um, <laughs> as coming straight <laughs> off the central casting list of ideas values but um it and it is many organizations have that as one of their values but it's also one of ours and i'm not ashamed of that um, it's one of just three that we have so we have collaboration proud and ambitious but when you think about them as a as, as a kind of trio the pride that i'm talking about is if it's not a contradiction it's quite a humble pride that our people feel um, the ambitious it's, it's not a ruthless ambition where you're trampling over the skulls of your past colleagues in order to progress <laughs> so when you throw collaboration into that you see how it tempers those other two values which yeah, could okay. perhaps be problematic if they were misapplied so yes i did raise a wry smile about your views of um of collaboration as an identikit value now I'm going to allow your collaboration value because uh, I'm sure you're going to tell us why you're making it different at what you kind of have already, but you're also going to tell us how uh, you bring it to life internally. What was, what was the starting point? Well, we actually started, um, as you guys talked about in the first half, um, looking at our purpose. So, um, as you say, everybody knows what tarmac is, or they think they do. But what we realised was that, that there was a gap in that story. Um, yep. People didn't know what our purpose was. Our employees didn't know what our purpose was because we didn't have one. Um, we had a vision which was shared with other organisations in the, the global group of which we're part. But there was a gap in our, our brand architecture if you want to call it that, if it's not too much of a wanky phrase, which it is, but let's, let's call it that. Um, we didn't have a purpose. So that meant that people did not understand the full breadth of what Tarmac was and why we were here. And they didn't understand from a customer perspective, from an um, a employer brand perspective, from a stakeholder engagement perspective. We weren't telling the whole story. So what we did was pull together some workshops with colleagues who were at all levels of the organization. Um, we had somebody there that was his, their first day. At the same time, we were giving somebody a 40-year service award. So you can see we had a, a full breadth of people from around the organization to have a go at what our purpose would be. Okay, so after a number of workshops, we, um, we had settled on a form of words that actually came um, from a brainstorm and actually came from an HR graduate to come up with the phrase which became building our future. So building our future became the purpose that Tarmac now uses internally and externally. I bet that graduate and, feels really proud of themselves. Oh, she does. Yeah. And so she should, because <laughs> it was brilliant. And, and we didn't do much to it. it. It just landed with people. It worked really well. Um, and so having come to the end of work, um, at the end of one of the workshops, the participants said, can we um, have a go at those, val those values now? And we all sort of looked at each other who were facilitating the workshop and said, um, yeah, if you like, that, that actually wasn't the intention from where we initially started. Um, it came from the colleagues that were helping us to find the purpose when they actually flagged to us, those values aren't really anything we recognize and we don't think they fit with where we're now going. So that's great. So you uh, re-energized your reason for existing. What is it mm -hmm. that we do? What is it we do for all of our stakeholders? And then mm -hmm. some wise soul in that workshop said, okay, we, we need to find a way to underpin that and, and look at how we behave in order to do that. Mm -hmm. 
I think so, because it wasn't that we didn't have any. Um, we had six values and don't ask me what they were because I wouldn't be able to tell you, but that's okay. Cause they were on a mouse map somewhere. They were, they were, they were on a wall somewhere. Um, and the, the challenge that they started to give us in that workshop was, you know, they, they were quite old. Um, Tarmac had gone through a lot of change structurally um, and in terms of where it was owned and what it was for since those values have been created. And quite rightly, that wise soul said, that doesn't feel like us anymore. Right. So exactly that, you know, we, we, we all looked at each other and said, yes, brilliant. Let's run some more workshops and engage a much, much broader section of the organization to say, all right, then what should our values be for the organization that we are today and how you feel as part of this organization and fits with the, with the purpose that we now have. Yep. So you embarked on a journey to co-create the values that would reflect mm -hmm. you guys exactly. in the future. Let me ask you another question. Exactly. So you were existing probably without realizing it. And I see this often in organizations that they exist without realizing they've forgotten what their purpose is. Mm. What was that like? What was that period like just before redefining your, your purpose? I think it was feeling quite shaken up quite bruised by a lot of organizational change yep. um, it was six months under new ownership having had a lot of time in a joint venture right. so a joint a joint venture um, brings a particular mindset I think to an organization it's very short term um, it's very task focused it's very upstairs focused on, on yep. profit and on performance and in that particular scenario on investor relations because it was looking for a permanent home that wouldn't be a joint venture. So we were just six, six, eight months into our permanent ownership. So I would say, yeah, they were probably feeling a little bit homeless. Um, people were feeling, as I've said, that there were values that related to a different history a different time you know the past is a is a different country and that was very true i think for, for tarmac when i when i came back but what what was the hope of redefining the purpose w was it to put a line in the sand and say you know moving forward was it was it to be your north star that people could uh align around I think it's the North Star. That is a phrase that, that, that people have used. You know, if, if in doubt as to is something I'm doing right, you look to your values and you look to your purpose and it, it keeps you on the right track. So there was absolutely a sense of galvanizing between, behind something that had been created specifically for Tarmac moving forward and by the people that now work there. Cool. So now that you've defined your purpose and we've talked about what life was like before you did so, what, how are you using it now? How does it factor into everyday life? How does it mm -hmm. do what you wanted to do, which you use the word wanky, so I'm going to use it. How did you, <laughs> how, how does it uh, create that sort of wanky term North Star? How does it, how does it operate? Well, I think the first thing we did was we didn't talk about it externally for about eight months. Um, right when we'd launched it internally. So I think the first thing was that we got people internally really clear why we needed it, what it was for, what it would be used for and what it wasn't. Um, it didn't replace the vision that I said we shared with our parent company. It just gave yeah. us a stepping stone from Tarmac to the parent company that the kind of people could, it was too far away. The, the vision was too far away. They couldn't see how that related to them every day or importantly, what they could do to help achieve it. So yeah. the purpose is a stepping stone. And we did describe it in those terms. We said to people, look, you know this, you recognize this vision that hasn't gone away. But for us, this is, this is what we strive to do. 
but a lot of how we brought it to life was hand in hand with the values um, so we did a lot of work to um, to embed the values throughout just the normal systems and the normal processes that any organization has um, and probably happened in a couple of ways um, one's really literal but I think it's important because it's it, it's signposting so the literal aspect of it was every single story we published on the internet or in the company magazine or whatever it might be was tagged with a value so that people could see that we already are bringing these values to life you know they're in every project every bridge that we build every road that we lay every project that we're working on Every story that we publish, we tag to one or more of the values so they don't feel unreal. They can, people can see them in their everyday work. So that's the literal bit, which I don't apologise for, because I think you have to be quite explicit um, and show that these things are real when you start. You, you have to. Um, absolutely, you have to. Sure. I, I, I think that, you know, you have to give examples of this is our purpose in action. This mm -hmm. is, you know, this is the difference we're making to the stakeholder, to the consumer, to the people benefiting from the schools that we build etc exactly um, exactly I, I is it that is that the easy bit uh, i don't think yes. it's easy I, it I think it is um, yeah. the only reason it's easy though is because the values were not um, we didn't sit in an ivory tower with a management consultant, and I love management consultants, some of my best friends are management <laughs> consultants, <laughs> but we didn't sit, um, we didn't buy them in. You know, we, we went to our people and said, if you could give three words that summarized Tarmac as an organization, what would they be? And the, um, the, the, the aggregation of that was proud, ambitious, collaborative. So I think it wasn't, it was easy to do because they were already there and we were just, we were just reflecting them. The hard bit um, was, so we've done the literal signposting. The hard bit was the cultural aspect where right. it, this took a bit longer. So what we had to do there was um, incorporate the values into things like role profiles and Gosh. interview guides when people were hiring. Um, they are now structured. The questions that we ask at interviews are structured around the values. They're built into performance objectives. Um, so you can see that they are there in real terms for everybody. Um, and they also allowed us then, when we were doing some inclusion and diversity work, to have a little um, spin-off mini-series, uh, which we <laughs> call Proud to be Me. Um, so Proud to be Me is, um, was, was the, the heart of our inclusion and diversity campaign, um, come up with by one of my internal comms business partners while she was having too much wine watching The Greatest Showman. But Proud to <laughs> Me fits so nicely with, um, with the vision, um, with the inclusion work, and of course, with the values. So it's, it's still giving us um, new ideas and we're finding new ways to apply it and keep them alive. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to love this. You can, you can, you can stick your collaboration on, a, on anything that you like because Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm starting to love this. Proud to be me, mm -hmm. uh, without putting words in your head, is this where I can take the corporate values of Tarmac and say, actually, this is how I bring those to life through my own personal values or am I overstating it? No, you're right. Um, personal values and corporate values um, are something that I think we spent quite a lot of time on probably in the, the last 10 years or so saying, well, if your personal values aren't you know, a, a boilerplate match for the organizational values, you shouldn't work there, you won't put in. Totally. And, and that's my point about cult, mm. which is, yes. and, and you, you heard it, oh, crikey, you know, the start of the 2000s, you know, well, mm. 
can you imagine going to the pub with him or her? They're not just one of us. They're not, yeah. they don't feel like the right fit. I don't think they'd fit in. Da, 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 da. That created a cult, which was extremely exclusive. Mm -hmm. And some big mm -hmm. brands did that. And mm -hmm. the pendulum has swung in the opposite direction, thank God. And, and I think that they're, yes, we expect that, you know, proud, ambitious, collaborative, they came from our people, they work, they landed really well with people, they shape our behaviours. But they don't have to replace your personal values. So proud to be me was showing, as you've said, how do I, uh, who am I? What do I do inside work and outside work? And, and what do those values mean to me was, was absolutely part of it. And it's not boilerplate, cookie cutter, everyone's out exactly the same way. But if you interpret those and reflect those alongside your own personal values, that's when they become meaningful. My personal values, I've actually done quite a lot of work on um, yeah. over the past couple of years. Um, and and I, I found it super insightful and proud, ambitious and collaborative. I'm afraid, Tom, do not come in my personal values. But, <laughs> okay, but, but tell us I, what your personal I values know. are. We're, we're all, we're well, all trying to know. <laughs> so the first one was affection. Um, okay. It's nothing to do with work. Um, but any day that I don't get a hug is not a good day in Kate World. So affection yeah. came out as my top value. Generosity um, was a very, very close second. Um, and when, when the, the, the lady that, that did the work for me um, unpacked it, she said, what generosity means in this context is you want to share your knowledge, your resources, your expertise um, with people unconditionally. And unconditionally was the super, super important word there. So I can see collaboration, generosity, those two things, of course, do go together. Um, yeah. But I think we've that the work that we've done through through proud to be me um, and through the values shows that you know there is space in there of course for you to for you to flex them and in, and interpret them and still space for you to to be yourself it's not it's not a cookie cutter uh, production line that's that's not what they're for yeah that's amazing and and you remind me that one of the things i feel passionately about is that uh, great leaders are extremely self-aware and they have a thirst to uh, un grow their self-awareness. And so there is something around understanding what your personal drivers and personal values are and how they may manifest themselves in positive and not so positive ways inside Ooh inside the organization and the organizational mm -hmm. values it's almost like a marriage of these are my values and you know uh, we're going to almost create a, a marriage contract which is let's let's mutually support each other's values when we work together yes. because they don't change do they um, and you and neil were talking earlier about whether coming out of this pandemic that we're all sort of working through do or, or after any crisis of change do an organization's values need to be updated and i i listened to that and i thought do you know what no i don't think they do because if your values yeah. are only fit for good times they're yeah. not right and i'm i'm minded of that that quote um if you don't stick to your values when they're being tested they're not values they're hobbies um, <laughs> and that's that, that's something that, that really yeah, and I think that's probably without, and he, he can come back in on this later, I think that's possibly Neil's point around them being bench tested, which is, are you, mm -hmm. there'll be a lot of organizations that have got uh, mediocre values that sound good, and they're massively exposed right now. They just, they just don't resonate or don't reflect what's going on inside or outside of, of that organization. Um, Question for me. Uh, imagine uh, I work for you and 
I'm doing something that's not in line with the organizational values. How do you hold me to account? Do you, what's your equivalent of, you know, talk about wanky management consultancy mm-hmm. term. What's the, what's the, what's Tarmac's yellow card for this? When do you, how yeah. do you say to me, Tom, uh, you're not, you're not playing along with the organizational's value? Well, I think what you don't do, and don't get me wrong, I have been on the receiving end of some emails that do this, a one word email that says, collaborative question mark you don't do Ooh, that, that's you know? so bad <laughs> <laughs> oh i've had those i've Ooh. had those so you, you know if you get things wrong um people will use your values as a stick to beat you with both within the organization and outside but that does not mean that you can't point out when somebody isn't behaving in that way but you it's just like any other performance conversation i think you don't need to get the values out and brush off the booklet and say, now look here, Tom, it says here on page six, <laughs> subclause, what have you, you, that collaboration means X, Y, Z. Um, I think it's just pointing out the, you know, the, the issue that you saw, understanding the intent, because very few people come to work to be saboteurs, I think. You know, there's, there's something behind all, um, let's call it bad behavior in inverted commas. So I think it's, it's no different to any, any other performance management conversation. And it doesn't always have to be that you hide behind the, the values like you don't hide behind a performance management policy. Um, so how do you build elasticity into them? So, for example, collaborative. And I know that you've done amazing work bringing them to life and explaining them so people can get the nuances. But, for example, you know, and we're living through those times. You need strong leadership and occasionally a take charge. This is what we're doing. Troops, follow me. How does that work with collaborative? I, th- I think it's come with me, not just follow me blindly. Um, right. You know, let's not forget the other two values, proud, ambitious, collaborative. Collaborative doesn't trump everything. You know, we need drive. Um, tarmac people are the sort of people that you give them a task, they'll get off and do it. They are ambitious, they are driven. Um, and I've used a lot of synonyms there. And that's part of how we built in that ele- that elasticity that you mentioned so when we started to talk to people about the values um, and had people who had been involved in creating them tell that story too we did quite shamelessly produce some word clouds look the value is proud but here are some other words that people gave us that mean similar things to proud here are some similar words that mean ambitious driven etc here are some words that mean collaboration family feel all in it together what have you so i think that's where the elasticity comes from um, you you kind of get your thesaurus out really and say we've we've helped people understand what those behaviors that underpin it look like and i'll go back to the um the cultural aspects that i talked about where we do have a framework of behaviors which um is organized by the values but the behaviors fall underneath it do bring it to life to people to show you if you're in a certain type of role at a certain type of level here are some of the behaviors that we expect to be seeing from you Kate, that's absolutely awesome. And my overriding uh, feeling coming out of this is that at Tarmac, you're really treating this as a way of life rather than just a project. So uh, I expect my mug with Collaborate in the post and Tarmac It's in logo. the post on its way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Tom. That was absolutely fantastic. Totally pragmatic, uh, totally down to earth and realistic view to building values. Neil, what did you think? It was a really nice way to give an example of the discussion we had earlier, Tom. So how values can come to life in an organization, keep them relevant and thread it through the entire organization. So very refreshing to hear. Thank Kate for that. 
Yeah, and I, she reminded us, uh, and you and I have worked with organizations on bringing their values to life internally, and we will continue to do so. And the number of organizations I go into, the great majority who have lost sight of their purpose and have forgotten why everybody comes to work and don't make the most of that call to action. And unless you've got your purpose, you have nothing from which to hang your values and they will just float around in the ether. And also remember values can change, right? The business strategy changes, whether that's through M&A or a new CEO coming. And for me, an organization, a successful organization is a community. And we have to look at the world outside an organization in order to understand what's happening on the inside. And right now, across the globe, there are many communities who are really suffering and in a lot of pain. And for me, perhaps the most important thing for an organization to do with its values is to use them as an invite and say, it doesn't matter where you work for us, uh, which country, which geography, when you step in the door virtually or physically, this is the community we are. These are the values that we adhere to. This is how we will make you feel. Absolutely. And it goes back to that earlier point around how you're making people feel. Yep. And in terms of that, I, uh, in terms of how we feel, I'm now going to go away and finish my writing on, on mental health. I think that's it for this Look week. Look forward Neil. to seeing that. Uh, I will be back in approximately two weeks with Clancy uh, talking about culture. In the meantime, please uh, follow us or encourage others to on Twitter at Hysterionics and tell us what you think and pose us questions. In the meantime, stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Bye.